0: That's all I remember, like four days later, so, so this was a Sunday morning, right? So Saturday night turns into Sunday morning. All I remember was drinking a few Bud Lights and some tequila, and then it wasn't until Wednesday when I had woken up in the hospital.
1: Guys, welcome back to another episode of Setting Stages with Eddie Mack. Thank you guys so freaking much for your patience, first and foremost. I know that it's been a few weeks since the last episode aired. Uh, it was intentional. I had actually had taken some time off, uh, time off of the podcast and from my day job, and a little bit from social media as well. Uh, taken two straight weeks off, uh, I spent a few days in the sequoias with my two sons, just the three of us, and then I spent another like half a week uh, up the California coast in Big Sur. All of it was spent outdoors. We were camping. It was great. I was able to reconnect, decompress, cool the jets, whatever you want to call it. I'm just refocused and I'm back in action. So thanks for your patience. So here's the deal. We are on episode 13 and this episode focuses on my boy Alistair Vicente and his co-host of their own podcast, Sessie Angelica. The two of them share a very unique and common bond. They both experienced traumatic brain injuries or a TBI. And they found an outlet for their battle against the depressive state after their TBIs through jujitsu. Alistair is an old buddy of mine from um, growing up in the same neighborhood, just a few houses down. And Sessie comes from the East Coast. She and I actually just met for the very first time while recording this episode. So uh, very unique lives the two of them lead. And at the same time, they share this one common bond. And interestingly enough, they actually um, occur... actually incurred these injuries um, in a somewhat similar fashion. Anyways, you'll have to hear their story out. What's really cool about this episode, really different, is that I honestly just hit the record button the moment that we sat down, and we kind of don't really have much direction when we're first talking, and you're just going to hear the conversation and how it develops. But uh, I really didn't know what questions to ask these two individuals because I this whole TBI um, experience is, is a completely new world to me so I didn't really know what to ask I guess I just wanted to let my curiosity lead the conversation and so that's what you're gonna get in this episode it's a little bit less structured but I hope that you still find a, a little bit of value from what they have to share um, Alistair and Sessie Sus- tell their individuals of how they uh, individual stories of how they got the TBI. But they're also going to talk about their projects, their aspirations, people who inspire them and have helped carry them through their mental and depressive states. Um, and they share some lessons from past conflicts and failures with you guys, too. So hope this episode was worth the wait. Without further ado, here's episode 13 of Setting Stages with Eddie Mac. Let's go.
0: That's cool you're doing this, too. That's why I listened to your podcast at first. I was like, dude, Eddie's doing exactly what I want to do. Oh, really? You know? Well, h- how long have you been doing your show? So, I mean, I've had a Twitch podcast or a Twitch stream for a while. Yeah. But I never really had a direction or, like, a really... Um, like any enthusiasm of making it into something, it was just something like, oh, all the all the kids are doing it nowadays. You yeah, know? yeah. And like, let's. And I was. It was all about like video games too. That's what Twitch is. That's about, what Twitch right? is really mainly about, right? So yeah. it was mostly just uh, for my friends to see me play when they're bored or something or whatever. So it was. I never took anything seriously, but like, I would say like, around when I started Jiu Jitsu, was when I found out I kind of wanted to. Pursue this, yeah, you know, and like, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even gonna be about jujitsu in the first place. I wanted to do like some variety stream where I just talked about anything and everything, okay, you know, like things I'm into, and and then I realized like I need a, I need a niche, cause all the big streamers on Twitch they have a niche that got them big in the first place like for example there's there's this guy named like what i wanted to do is what they call IRL TV okay. i'm not sure if you've heard of IRL it's IRL like a, to me i don't even know what the acronym is for but yeah. i'm
1: thinking in real
0: life exactly okay cool it's so like tell me more yeah that it's like a nerd thing right cuz in when you're playing World of Warcraft or something like that uh-huh. there's locations just like in real life like a, there's a there's a pug so hey let's go meet at the bar or whatever IRL, you know, yeah, so they know yeah. it's not on in the video game we're talking about. Right, right. So Twitch actually started this pretty recently. It's like their newest genre because, as I said, it, video games was their main focus. So IRL is kind of like out there. And before, if you if you weren't podcast or if you weren't streaming video games, you'd actually be like banned or pulled off because yeah. you you weren't doing what they were meant to do. So IRL was this new thing where they actually allowed you. To stream something other than video games, and there's there's a the reason why I knew about this in the first place was because after my brain injury, you know I had nothing I could I wasn't even working like I all I was doing was going to rehab, which consisted of um, what you call it, uh, occupational therapy, physical therapy, as well as one other one, um, speech therapy. So I had to do all those things, but besides that, if I wasn't in rehab, I was just laying in bed all day, and one of the things I'd like to do was go on YouTube and watch Ice Poseidon. And What's that? He's, <laughs> so that was his game handle, or his name. Oh, okay, got it. And he did, he did IRL TV, but the thing is, he was popular before that, so he already had an audience, and the reason why is his niche was this game called RuneScape. Okay, yeah, and I know RuneScape. Yeah, everyone, everyone knows him because of that. And before he, he became, like, really famous, I mean, he was working, I don't remember what his job was. I think he was, like, a, at a lobster restaurant just as a server or something like that. Okay. And then it came to a point where now he's basically, and this is where my inspiration came from, was he was going around Europe. Not only was he, you know, getting donations to pay for that trip, but he was making more than enough, you know, where it was, like, an occupation. He was getting paid to yeah. do whatever the heck he wanted, you know? The internet is crazy now. I mean, just like the opportunity
1: that opens up. Yeah. Um. There's okay. So uh, like Gary Vaynerchuk is a huge advocate for you know creating something through. Yeah. And it's just it's mind blowing because you know he he opened my eyes too to just the opportunity that can be created. Like yeah. There is no there is no. Um, ABC, NBC that has to like book you as a journalist anymore mm-hmm. you know what I mean you are the journalist whenever you want to be it's yeah. just you've got to put in the work because no one else knows who the hell you are Yeah. you don't have the platform you have to build it Yeah. Um, so I totally believe in, in that um, which is why I do this yeah, yeah. and I'm sure that's the reason why you want to pursue it is because like you, you now have
0: this passion to like yeah. share something about yourself what exactly do you want to share? yeah so <clears throat> at first as I said I didn't really have a specific niche right I I want to do everything because I like singing I like dancing I like I like um, martial arts you know that was just one of them I like software engineering that is my actual job right but one thing I found out as I was talking earlier I need a niche so my my current niche or the direction I want to go to is share my journey through martial arts from a white belt which is the beginning stages of jujitsu all the way to whatever. Like my dream is to reach the high levels of competition, nice. right? Yeah, you know, nothing in life is sure though. But I would love to document that journey, and hopefully, there's people out there. You know, I mean, I feel like if, it, I don't know if you listen to the Joe Rogan podcast. I have him subscribed, and I can He has so much content that yeah. I can't consume at all. No, I know. But I do appreciate what he does. Uh, like yeah. I really do. Yeah. One of the things he says is, if you can, if you can make. Your friends laugh. You can be a stand-up comedian, right? Interesting. So I kind of an analogy to that is, you know, if, if I have friends that are interested in what I'm, what I have to say, you know, maybe there's or there's probably a lot of people out there, you know, this world's freaking huge that mm-hmm. would like to listen to what I have to say. Yeah. And yeah. again, it's about my journey through what I'm experiencing from as a white belt all the way to wherever this journey takes me. This jujitsu. Journey takes me. So you're documenting the process too, the yeah. growth and all of that. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, not as much as I should be. At least according to Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like I yeah. listen to him a lot. He he actually he provides me a lot of inspiration. And I have knew about him, especially because, as I said, I'm a I'm a software engineer. I'm I'm a tech nerd. You're techie. Yeah. Yeah. I knew about him back when. So there's a there's a station on TV called G4. Oh yeah, I know G4. But before that, it was called. Um, Tech TV. Yeah. And then before Tech TV, I think it was called like ZDTV. So, I, f- I feel like Olivia Munn started there too. Like She yeah. was on
1: YouTube and then she got a show on G4 yeah. or something like that Olivia too.
0: Munn, Olivia Munn was from G4 as yeah. well. I think that's where she got her her uh, claim to fame right there. Right, right. But um, I heard of Gar- Gary Vaynerchuk back when it was still Tech TV. And that was because he was doing like the wine startup stuff. And, okay. But it was funny because I didn't – like I knew of him but I, I never really – you know, listen to him much because I, as I said, a lot of these these dreams that I have, a lot of, a lot of what I want to pursue right now is pretty new to me. So, and it's funny because I'm actually about to turn 30 years old. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that, as they say, it's ne- and that's what I like about Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, he yeah. says, like, it's You're never too, too late. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Just keep on, keep
1: the hustle going. You know, it's just like, it's a matter of time. Is it still on your side? And then, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. He always, yeah like I'm 40 something he says right and I'm just I yep. feel like I'm just getting started Yeah. which is like that's scary actually because there's a huge yeah. responsibility between now and us getting to that age yeah, where it's right. like if he's feeling like he's getting started where the hell am exactly. I you know what I mean
0: so <laughs> it's crazy
1: yeah what about you Sassy? like tell me a little bit about what you're after kind of your your inspiration or like what's your initiative
2: Um. eventually I want to be a motivational speaker or like a correctional officer so that's like where i'm heading towards so i started off dancing and i think that's kind of like why i gravitated towards jiu-jitsu
1: yeah
2: um so i used to dance i did like jazz and modern and a lot of hip hop stuff in florida cool and then i branched out and you know i started doing music i did music for a little bit and um i did go through like a lot of abuse and and you know some of my relationships and uh, just dealing with bullying so I was like, you know what? Why not try jujitsu? It's similar to dancing. Yeah. So why not? So at first when I started doing it, it was like whatever. I'm just here doing it to do it. But then I was going like three times, you know, a day, every single day. And but then I got sick in between that. So I slowed okay. down a little bit, but I went back into the gym, you know. And then uh, I just went spontaneously and competed in Jersey. So, the thing with 10 Planet, with our gym, we're considered a West Coast gym. All right. Right. So, um, when I went over there, I wasn't the favorite. Just put it that, <laughs> put Because it that you're way. from Jersey. Yeah, and, and then yeah. I'm pretty new. Like, I'm a novice. But I do what Alistair does. Like, we watch videos and, you know, we really look into our craft. Like, I, I looked at who the starter of judo was and went back into the history in Japan and how I got to Brazil you know so I look into that stuff if I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it completely right you know and then um before that I was trying to get into the army so it didn't work out for me and I was kind of disappointed you know and working on base I was working on Camp Pendleton as a regular civilian so um, I started off like you know washing dishes carrying, like, 75 pounds of trash, you know?
1: Started from the Um, bottom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: And then I eventually worked my way up and I became an assistant manager, you know, for Sodexo, which is, like, their food company that works on base. Okay. And uh, I was just kind of humiliated because, you know, I was turned down because of my high astigmatism for the reserves, and it was just, like, I was being bullied big time. Like, I would get messages from, you know, some of the guys in in infantry, and they'd be like, oh, you know, women don't belong in the military. What happened? How come you're not in uniform? So I was just like, I'm gonna fucking give up on this shit. Like, And I don't know what happened, but, um... The marines called me so i actually trained in this exact park oh yeah yeah and that's what i was telling him i was like wait i'm bringing the,
1: you back i was like in the
2: enlisted side we run at mok <laughs> so yeah so i was running with the enlisted side and i'm 29 now mm. so i'm too old for the enlisted side so they dropped me and then they called me not even a month ago and they said well why don't you try to become an officer?" and I'm studying criminal justice right so yeah so I've been doing that which uh, kind of gave me a little bit of hope but it's like cool. that thing you said with with time you yeah, know? yeah so like time is working against me and I'm like well you know, not have my podcast and uh it just went on Spotify which I didn't pay for it or anything it just went on Spotify it just
1: did yeah cool.
2: so <laughs> I focus primarily on you know. All the arts and entertainment and jujitsu, okay, and also on mental health because it's something that I relate to. And uh, I feel like a lot of people, you know, like what you said on our one of our podcasts, he said there's a stigma around it, you know, like not to talk about it or whatever,
1: right? So, I have people
2: that call me, it's weird. I have people that call me from like Serbia, you know, Albania, Mm. um, Nigeria, and they just to talk to me because they, they tell me that they, they have an depression. Yes, because they can't, you know, talk about That's it. That's powerful. So, yeah, yeah. So, whoever I can help, if I can help someone, I mean, I I like that. I like giving back. That's definitely something that I like. Yeah. So, it it became something more because I saw David Goggins.
1: Yeah.
2: This this uh He's like a motivational speaker, you know. And yeah, yeah, so that he dude has the, a hell of a story. He was in the Rangers. Mm-hmm. He did. He tried the training for special forces and all this stuff. And then I started listening to Tony Robbins, um and another guy that helped me get through my first two years of college, Eric Thomas, mm-hmm. motivational. Speakers. Yeah, a
1: hip hop preacher. And
2: I was like, man, yeah. I like what they're doing. Yeah. I want to do what they're doing. You yeah, know. So I, that's kind of like how I got into podcasting. And then when I heard Gary V on Instagram. Talking about it Like just download The
1: podcast I was like What You
2: can download it <laughs> So that's how I got into it You
1: know yeah. So
2: it's basically That's cool
1: I, yeah. You and I share A pretty similar I guess motive Like a motive
2: Yeah
1: I All I want to do Is help people Right You know And I love them That's the reason why um, I do the podcast Is because mm-hmm. I like Learning about them um, And for people Everybody has their own story Dude right. And Alistair You said um, That if your friends are interested in what you want to talk about there's another audience somewhere in the world 7 point something billion people out here yeah. someone's going to be interested and <clears throat> i think that it's a little bit it's more about sharing like what you're passionate about mm-hmm. and less about getting the audience to kind of like to build It'll build itself because right. you're talking your truth. Right. And that's the thing about Eric Thomas. That's the thing about Tony Robbins, Goggins, too. Like, mm-hmm. they have crazy, like, dirty-ass stories to start with. And they also acknowledge that it's it doesn't necessarily, like, get easier as they become successful. Right. Um, it, it's still It can still be messy and it's still complex, but then they, they've, they've brought themselves out there and they're using that story to create somebody else to realize that it's possible mm-hmm. and I think that's where you come from is that right. like people have pissed you off people have hurt your feelings um and you've been turned down you've you've failed and yet multiple you, times right and
2: I'm still I've still continued
1: and you still and you still continue right and
2: e- even running like for officer school is a lot of running I pushed my body like there's guys I have I was telling Alistair there's guys I have been in there a year and a half Mm -hmm. and they can't even run the time that I run because when I'm running I want to quit and then I just think David Goggins mentality (laughs)
1: I'm
2: like yeah I just want to (laughs) suffer
1: it's so funny because David Goggins, and we've mentioned Gary so many times already, Gary is all about um, building on your strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like don't waste your time on the things that you suck at, mm-hmm. um, which I actually gravitate to more. Because honestly, I don't want to waste my time trying to <laughs> build something that I know I'm not that good at. Right. If I can, if I, if I can delegate my weaknesses to somebody else who's smarter than me in that area, boom, let's let's go and work together on that, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah, David Goggins is like. Uh, work on your strengths or whatever, and he says that's bullshit. Like, put yourself in a position that's uncomfortable, right. and if you suck at it, get better at it. You right. know what I mean? But I think that it, my opinion on that is that if you if you if that's what you want to do, you got to go full in. Like, right. you got to go full into that thing that you suck at to try to you know draw mm-hmm. yourself out of it. Because, but if you suck at it and you don't want to deal with it, then don't deal with it and just focus on your strengths. That's that's my take on it. What are your
0: thoughts? I feel like so right now, Jiu-Jitsu is definitely not a strength of mine. <laughs> you're right. But you're right. I, as I said, I'm beating myself up right now. I'm going all in. Like I see the validity of both, for sure. But um, I guess I, I'm, I'm doing a hybrid approach because, you know, <clears throat> I, as I said, Jujitsu is not. A strong point of strength of mine like as i said i'm a white belt you know we got to start from somewhere so i'm pretty much going all in but luckily i have a pretty athletic background you know even before i got into jiu-jitsu i was always in a fitness that's one of the other things i thought of about you know going into there's you know the fitness mm-hmm. industry is pretty big right now on social media but again that might be too saturated, saturated. yeah but so, I, I feel like a hybrid approach would be good, you know? As yeah. as as they say, there's no one solution for everything. So, mm-hmm. I think I take a little bit of both, you know, some of my strengths. And then, if I do have a weakness, I am going to go and put not all my eggs in my basket, but I'm going to do my damnedest to, you know, right. pursue it to the best I can. I hear you. So, yeah, that's right. how I see it. Right, right. <clears throat> well, um... You know,
1: th- like, it's funny because we just kind of, like, jump right into this, and I yeah. love that this is already, like, organically Yeah, growing. I didn't even
2: know if we started or yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, well, like, we're,
1: we're obviously in now. <laughs> um, like, initially, the reason why I reached out to you is because, uh, first of all, we haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. Um, you mentioned a decade before we started recording, yeah. which might be true. I don't know. I think it has
0: been. Because I know I graduated high school <clears throat> um, over a decade ago, you know? And I knew we were, yeah, we we were neighbors, we were neighbors since pretty much when I was in kindergarten, right, back in 93, all the way even past high school, but somewhere around there is when when we moved away from each other, but... That's yeah, why I feel like it like might have... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, much, across no. the street. No, not even across the street. It was like four or five houses down, yeah. man. You're great. like, who ya? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we like we, we would you know bike together, play street hockey together, yeah. skate yeah. together. We did everything together. So yeah, he was pretty much my big brother. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. Same with Drew. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. It's
1: funny. I told Drew that we were meeting up, and he was like, Alistair. I was like, dude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen Drew in a while. I've seen him more
0: recently, right? Because okay. I think he's... He, he has more of a, the same social group. Oh, okay. Like we're closer in age, right? So right, right. We saw each other in high school a lot, and then a little bit after high school. But yeah, it's true. Still been a while since I seen Drew.
1: Well, so the reason why I reached out to you is because I um, I learned through uh, of all places Facebook, you put yourself out on a limb and just told your quick synopsis of what you endured. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: like bring me back before that. Okay. And and let's let's go from there. Yeah, that's a good question because whenever people hear my traumatic brain injury, they, they don't really ask too much about what happened beforehand. So right now I'm trying to think what did happen like. So you mean like. What a, like my life before that or yeah, let's okay. start there.
1: Let's start there. What, what right. Direction
0: where you headed in and etc. So this was before June six, two thousand sixteen. Let's see. Um. I believe I had already graduated. Yeah, I'd already graduated college, um, and I was at Cal State San Marcos. I was a computer science graduate, and man, it's been so long. I can barely remember. Maybe this is my traumatic brain injury. I'm <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, I got a job with the Navy as a software engineer. I. And again, I, these dreams were new to me. So I, whatever I was trying to pursue at the time, I, I think I just wanted to... So computer science, okay. that was my, my job. And to be honest, I think that's all I really thought my life would amount to. Huh. Was And I was okay with that, right? Because actually, this is how I chose my, my major in the first place. I, I went on Google and I typed in highest paid majors out of college.
1: <laughs> that's literally how I chose it, right? <laughs>
0: I don't mean to say that I don't like the degree, but um, I do enjoy it. In fact, before before I switched into that degree, I was, I was pretty much undecided ever since I was in at Miracosa in community college. And the only reason why I chose a major was it was required to transfer to a four-year university. And I didn't even choose computer science as my major. I chose the closest thing I can choose to where I've completed the most units um, units yeah. For, yeah and that happened to be biology and even then <laughs> the biology class I took didn't even count toward like the biology class I took at Miracosa didn't even count towards the major so it was pretty much like I was still undecided and I had to choose something right? yeah yeah, and so before I went to computer science I did computer information systems because at Miracosa actually the nice thing about community college is you get to dabble in whatever you want you know that you're, you're not really locked down I'm sure you could do that in a four-year university, too, but you're also spending a lot more in the four-year university. Yeah. So I, I got a chance to, you know, look at different courses while I was at MiraCosta, and one of them was computer science. And one thing I noticed is, and I think it's especially true in computer science, is they're, the, the group of people, my peers, they, they weren't as extroverted or outgoing as me. Okay. And I know that's a blanket statement, so I'm speaking in general, right? Fair. Because, again, I'm, I'm the one that kind of breaks that mold, too. So there's other people like me. But when I, went to, when I went to Cal State San Marcos, because I already had an interest in computers, as I said, you know, I watch tech TV. I, I like to play computer games as well. I, instead of going full computer science, I went computer information systems because that was a hybrid between computer <coughs> science. But instead of, like, the more rigorous math and science courses – there, there were business courses. And I know business business stu- majors love to party, <laughs> right? So I was like, all right, this is awesome. And although that was true, one thing that I didn't like about it was I felt like the, the courses were a little too easy for me. Okay, you, know? you weren't challenged. Yeah, I, I didn't feel like I was challenged enough. Yeah. And I, I had, like, this guilty feeling, man, I, I should really go back into computer science because I know... I know first of all it's a great paid major, right? Right out of right out of college. And it provides me a challenge. So that's when I switched in computer science and then started to pursue that for my degree. And the reason why I liked it was because of the challenge. You know, like a a simple a simple computer science lab, you know, would take the whole class and a lot of my energy just to figure out and, and and it's kind of like when you solve a crossword puzzle or any kind of puzzle. You know, it's challenging, but once you're done with it, it feels really that gratifying. Gratification. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly the word that I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So after college, when I graduated, that was my main focus was, all right, I spent all these years in college. I better go find a job that actually requires, you know, my degree. And that's where my current job with the Navy, you know, that's, that's how I got it. Okay. And again, this was before my brain injury so I thought this was what what I was gonna pursue my whole life uh-huh. and the thing is I like it I like software engineering but it's it it doesn't fit my personality in that you know I'm on a computer all day you yeah, know
1: writing languages yeah. trying to fix bugs and yeah, stuff yeah exactly like that.
0: yeah so like when it comes to like the introvert <coughs> excuse me an extrovert spectrum
1: uh-huh
0: I'm kind of an outlier in that like instead of falling near the middle of the bell curve i'm like at the extreme end of extroversion so like even though i like to play computer games right i'm usually playing online with my friends so even though i'm on a computer all day I'll, I'll be able to like talk to them you know and socialize with other people you know but at least when it comes to coding especially right at least right now where i'm not part of a big team i'm pretty much by myself you know yeah I'm, yeah and the, the only people i talk to are like other coworkers who aren't even software engineers either mm. so it's not even but just because I like it doesn't mean it's something I love but again I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time so right before my brain injury that was my life right there was software engineering wow yeah and at, at least in terms of pursuing something like professionally or to do something for a living that was that was where I was Pigeonholed.
1: Yeah, Yeah yeah. So You had Your life set out for you Mm -hmm. Essentially what What I'm hearing is that You got your career in place After finishing school And you knew This was This was it This was your life You You liked the Idea of the job Um, Maybe even at the time Maybe I mean because You're thinking about this Retrospectively as you speak it But maybe at the time You probably loved it Mm -hmm. Oh yeah And um, I'm left to assume that with what are, what you experienced with your traumatic brain injury, that that may have changed your perspective on things.
0: I th- yeah, I haven't really thought about. It. Well, I knew I knew my traumatic brain injury has changed a lot of things. Sure, but um, you're right. It could have probably contributed a lot to you know not leaving it behind. Because obviously, I'm still a sophomore. You're in. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I, I it, it probably did play. I mean, it's a huge life changing thing for sure. And I haven't really thought about it, but I mean, as you say it, it, it kind of does make sense. But to go back to what you're saying that I loved it. I mean, yeah, the fact that I, got, I was able to get a job, ret- and what I didn't even tell you was that I never even applied for the job in the first place. Oh, what? Yeah. So. <laughs> in your lap? Yeah. yeah indeed. I, I got really, really lucky. Like, I hear friends graduating from college, and they, they send hundreds of like literally hundreds, over 200 applications and they still don't get a call back.
2: Do I you have Indeed or LinkedIn?
0: So yeah, this, this is, this is yeah, this, so, <laughs>
2: that,
0: that's exactly how I got my job. They so what my happened resume. was I literally only put out about seven different job applications, right? And one of them required me to upload it to a website called indeed.com. Yeah. And although none of them called me back, because i had uploaded my resume on indeed.com someone from the navy hr saw my my resume and they're like hey sorry for the last <laughs> minute notice you know but would you like to come in for an interview tomorrow or some very short notice mm. they're like it's the end of the fiscal it's the end of the fiscal year and we need to we we just need to get this done real quick you know and i'm like sure why not i don't have a job and no one's called me back let's go and minutes. the thing is I knew it was from the navy, and the funny thing about that was one of my uncles, who's really he he has his own software engineering firm, and I consider him very successful in his field. I went to him for advice before and before I even started applying anywhere, and he said, "Stay away from the government." <laughs> he's like, "You're the devil. You're too you're too young. You know, it's not an environment for you. Basically, it's like going into work and watching the clock run down." Damn. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So he told me that. Damn. So, seeing that this interview was for the government, <clears throat> was for the navy, I was, I kind of came in there a little bit cocky, you know. I was yeah. Like, yeah. Like normally I would, like I've had a couple interviews before, and and or actually one interview before, and that was because that same uncle that I had, or that I, that gave me the advice, he basically got me a job interview down in Solana Beach, you know unfortunately it wasn't um they were looking for someone with more experience. yeah but they did they did like my attitude which gave me a lot of confidence but again before that interview i studied up like on object-oriented programming you know really basic programming questions if you're a computer scientist or pretty much in any stem degree the interviews are very technical yeah right so it's almost like you gotta study for a test so that's what i did before my interview that my uncle had given me but for this one knowing it was a government job i was like I'm just gonna do this for exp- the the interview experience, you know. I don't I don't plan on it, so I didn't even study. I came in there like cocky, but I think it did me a favor because I ended up getting the job. Sick, sick. <laughs> All right. So yeah, that's that's how I got the job. And man, I already forgot the question you originally asked me. Well, uh, uh, you know what I was gonna get into
1: is is with the <clears throat> with the dramatic brain injury. Oh, I, I, I was thinking that did that did that change your perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. on what direction you wanted to
0: take so man when i first got my traumatic brain injury it like i i, I haven't really talked <clears> much <throat> about how i felt but i mean i was in a really dark place you know before we get into it yeah what happened so basically what happened was i was with some co-workers and it was funny because, at the time, I was sober with my co-workers. We, we had met up at Poor House, mm-hmm. it's a bar in Oceanside, and one of the things I liked to do was go out sober because, I, as I said, I was in a physical fitness and drinking is extra calories and stuff. So I was already in a, in a mode where I didn't mind being sober, you know, out at bars and stuff. Okay. You know, I, I was usually the DD, and that's what happened. You know, I was a DD for my friends and my coworkers, and by the time the bars closed, you know, they I took them home, and they live right by the the drive-in the new houses, but by the drive-in movie theaters in Oceanside. Yeah. And because it was late, they're like, "Hey, go ahead and spend the night," and I was like, "All right, cool." So another thing about my coworkers though is they're all either Marines or former Marines. And that means they like to drink, <laughs> yeah so by the time we got home yeah. they they start drinking <clears throat> and the fact that they they let me spend the night I was like, you know what I'm in a safe place right at least I assume so um, let me go have a few beers with them okay you know? the thing with me though is when I drink sometimes I, I I can keep going and going especially if I know I'm just gonna spend the night in my yeah. house yeah so. If the bars close around 2 a.m that means we get home or get to their place a little after two and i start drinking and then that's all i remember like four days later so so this was a sunday morning right so saturday night turns into sunday morning all i remember was drinking a few bud lights and some tequila and then it wasn't until wednesday when i'd woken up in the hospital so i don't know anything that happened in between besides what they had told me had happened and this is what they said happened was so around nine in the morning apparently i'm still too inebriated right to do anything so my coworker actually calls my parents from my phone and i think they because i have the thumb the yeah. thumb uh touch id yeah they, yeah they just use my thumb to call my parents so they call my parents to come pick me up Shortly after the call they had told me that I had run out the front door Saw their next-door neighbor who's also like a Marine. That's like six foot two or something And they said that I ran up to him tried to swing at him. I missed and According to them they said that the guy that I swung at didn't attack me But as he walked towards me it causes me to back up and then trip and that's when I fall and hit my head on the cement and the crazy thing about all this is my parents are pulling up to the driveway or to the cul-de-sac. So they, I think they see me fall or something along those lines, like right when that happens. And again, that's all I've been told. That's all I know. I've, I've never bothered to even investigate it. Basically, what I told myself was, you know, if I wasn't drunk, that would never happen. Mm. And that's actually the, one of the reasons why I don't drink anymore, you know? Got like it. Something that life-changing is enough. Like, people are like, how do you how do you not drink anymore? Well, first of all, as I said, I was kind of used to it already. And number two, if you have a traumatic brain injury, it's pretty easy not to drink anymore, especially if that was the reason why <laughs> yeah. you, you yeah. received it. That's the reason you know? why you got it? Yeah. <clears throat> I know that you didn't get to investigate it, or you didn't want to investigate it mm-hmm. any
1: further than what you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, I when I, when I heard of the term tbi based on the post that you put up mm. um it gave me this it was the first time i've ever read the term okay and i, I mean i've heard traumatic brain injuries occurring um i guess to, to me it was just a new um new category of injury i guess yeah. and, and i didn't know it was a thing yeah. that people had to it's it's kind of stupid for me to say to be honest but um I didn't know that it was a thing that needed to be like recovered from, and that it was a long process
0: of recovery. That there's, you know what I mean? And, and, I don't think that's stupid because I mean, before I got the traumatic brain injury, I didn't know either, you know. Sure. So. Well, as
1: far as that injury was concerned, mm-hmm. um, what what categorizes it as traumatic brain injury?
0: Um, I'm honestly I'm not even too sure. Okay. Because I I believe like a concussion is considered a mild traumatic brain injury. Okay. But I guess the reason why mine is not mild is the fact that I, I literally could have died, <laughs> you know? I mean, I know you can die from a concussion too, but f- I Googled like all the, all the symptoms my doctor told me I had or all the, the things that were wrong with me. And if you, if you go on Wikipedia, a lot of it is followed by death, 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 you know? Oh yeah. And they did, like I don't know if, you've ever, if I've ever showed you my scar, but this is where they had to cut me open so for those who can't see, it basically goes from like near the, near the top of my ear and it goes all the way up to like the middle of my, my forehead mm-hmm. and that's where they had see to it. Yeah. cut me open and then you can also see like, I don't even know what's, what these metal things are in my head, but this is where they had to drill the hole to like relieve the, relieve the, the, the blood. You know, so that there wasn't the any built-up pressure, built pressure in my brain. Damn. And the pressure was so much that so when I was in rehab, you know, my my occupational therapist or speech therapist, she was like reading the the laundry list of injuries that I had, and then she read like midnight shift. Whoa! And like, I was I was wondering, well, what's a midnight shift, and why are you like so surprised? And she's like, that's because when there's so much pressure in the brain, a midnight shift is when the pressure is so much that the hemispheres shift along the midline so yeah that's i i guess that's what categorizes that as uh, traumatic it's all the other things too but as for specifics i'm I'm not too sure what makes like for example i don't i don't know why a concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury versus mine which is not a mild uh, they never told me it was mild but i'm assuming because of the the consequences, you know, Yeah. the potential consequences is what categorizes it as a traumatic. Because again, I don't even know what's a non-traumatic brain injury or if there's even such a thing as just a brain injury yeah. without being traumatic. So maybe they're all traumatic, but honestly, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah, no problem.
1: Cecy, the reason why you're here is because you experienced the same thing. Yep. Um obviously your story is going to be different. But what yep. is your what's yours?
2: Um like I said I went through <coughs> uh some bullying. So when I moved down from New York City, uh I moved down to Fort Myers, Florida. So <clears throat> when I moved down, you know, uh, a lot of people in Florida, they're, like, fascinated with people from New York, you know? So I was like, oh, look, I have all these friends. This is cool, you know? This is awesome. So I was, like, really popular and stuff, and all the guys wanted to talk to me. And um, I did not know that I had, you know, some girls that didn't like me. They were, like, not fans. Yeah. And um, we all had mutual friends, and the whole entire time I'm hanging out with them. And then towards, the, you know, the end of the year... Um, I did not complete school, like I had like, like three more months to go for my senior year in high school, and um, so my grandmother died of cancer, and my grandmother slept in the bed with me, like we would, we were really really close, like we slept in the bed together for like 15 years, so she died when I was like 15, 16, and uh, when she died I had trouble sleeping so this is around the time I'm about to graduate from high school and um, like I said there were people that didn't like me so towards the end of the year right before graduation I was at the park and these girls just came up to me and from what my cousin had told me when I lived in New York my ex was cheating on me, right? But it's like little kid stuff, you know? Sure. <laughs> so she was like... Oh, 15,
1: you- 16, right? Yeah. So yeah. she's
2: like, oh, you know, Angel talking to this girl named... Um, jonay was a girl's name. All right. And at the time, he had MySpace. So she wrote it, like, on my wall. And he went under her and just denied, denied, denied. He was like, oh, you know, she's just trying to break us up. And so he tells me, he's like, don't tell anyone we're dating, like, if you move back to Florida. So I moved back. And me being me, I do the opposite of what people tell me. So, yeah, I didn't didn't say his name. (laughs) I took a picture of him and I put it on my binder. All right. Right. So he told me he went to this school called Riverdale in Fort Myers. So my mom was like, "Okay, you're back in Fort Myers. What school do you want to go to? And I said, hmm, why don't you send me to Riverdale? (laughs) Yeah. So I was going to surprise him (laughs) and not tell him anything. (laughs) turned out he didn't go to Riverdale. He went to an alternative school called Richard Melbourne. All right. So, like I said, I had the picture of him and then this kid, Frankie, he goes, who's that? I said, oh, that's my boyfriend. He's like, that's impossible. That can't be your boyfriend because he's dating my friend Yanira's.
1: Damn. So, that's
2: kind of (laughs) like everything started from, you know, that Yanira's chick and like I said, all those girls came and that one girl, Joni, that he denied up and down, up and down, was there. Mm-hmm. So here I am, little me, at the time I was like, 4'8", 105 pounds, you know, now I'm 5'5", you yeah. know, 147, big difference, yeah. you know, and um, yeah, so the girl starts fighting with me and he actually pulled up with the girl and I was like, I just felt so stupid, I was yeah. like, this is the girl Shit. he was denying and I didn't even know, her and all her friends hated me, like with a passion. So I'm like, okay, I guess we have to fight now. And me, I don't even smoke cigarettes. So that day I was like, somebody give me a cigarette.
1: <laughs> I was like nervous. I was shaking.
2: I was like, oh my God. Yeah. But I got lucky that I was working at Dairy Queen at the time. So this was so, a
1: scheduled bout. Let me just like retract for mm-hmm. a second. You guys knew you were going to get down.
2: No, I did oh, not know. Okay. They knew. They, they had everything knew. planned. Oh, damn. Like, All right. they, <clears throat> she had backup. I was like, what is going on? You okay. know, It was like a surprise to me. And um You mentioned so,
1: Dairy Queen Yeah,
2: I was working at Dairy Queen I just so happened to have on non-slip shoes that day And prior to that, it was raining So I was so lucky Because when she came, the first thing she tried to do Was pull me down to the ground you know, immediately. And I was just laughing, and she's like, Why are you laughing? Like, she was trying to pull me down really and she true. couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And she was bigger than me, so I was like, Oh, I'm about to get my ass whooped. Like, the <laughs> street fight in front of everybody. And everybody is watching now. Now everyone is coming around and they're looking. I'm like, Oh, shit, I can't get my ass whooped in front of all these people.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: so um, I fought the girl, long story short. I beat her. All right. Then, like, a couple of weeks later, like a month or two later, her sister came to fight me. And her sister is way bigger than her. Oh, she's shit. like Yeah, she's like yeah. 200 pounds, girl.
1: <laughs> so Literally I, twice your weight.
2: Right. And yeah. at the time, I was pregnant. And they didn't believe me because I was so small. Like, I didn't show till I was seven and a half months. I didn't start showing. So, they kept bothering me. Like, they were calling me every day, harassing me, you know, calling me names. Um, I was just locked inside the house and I told my mother what happened usually I don't tell my mom like anything like I don't like to share with my family anything but I was like listen if something happens to me this is what's going on it's all over this guy you know um so when the sister came to fight me I was like fine we're gonna fight this is the last time i'm I'm telling you I'm pregnant but You know, they were calling me names. They're like, oh, she's soft, blah, blah, blah. So me, now I feel pressured to fight. I'm like, oh, okay. Now now I'm soft, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So
2: something happened where they had guys and everything where I couldn't even leave because they put a gun to my face. And I just looked at the guy because it was someone that we went to high school with. And I was like, listen, if you pull that gun out, you better use it because I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. Mm -hmm. You know, because that's the attitude that I have. Yeah. And... Me and her, we walked towards the site where we were going to fight down the block. And she did something where she like tripped me. It it was MMA moves for sure. And uh, she got on top of me. So immediately, right when she got on top of me, you know, I was pretty much screwed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So she just started
1: (coughs) 200 pounds on
2: you. Her fists were so huge. As soon as she started hitting me, I could feel my face getting swollen immediately. Shit. So she was just hitting me, hitting me, hitting me. And I was like, fuck, what can I do? So, she was so heavy, I started to lose my breath at one point. And I could feel my daughter, like, inside me, like, you know, kind of like a heartbeat, like, palpitating, like, what the heck is going on, you know? She's jerking around. So, yeah, so then I'm trying to reach behind me for a rock, for some dirt, and then I just throw it in her face. And I get mad, and I start talking shit, which I don't make it any better, you know mm. so i'm like you need to get off me you fat this that and the yeah. third so i'm talking all this crap to her and then next thing i know it gets worse the more like aggressive i get people start jumping in so then there's guys coming and they're like you know hitting me on the side and stuff i'm like what the heck is going on like what is this wow. you know so i got lucky that one of the guys that goes to church with me at that time that went to church with me, he started grabbing the guys and you know pulling them off. He's like, "No, no guys can get in this fight. This is mm. a girl fight." Mm. You know, and I don't know what happened, but she was like, "Are you done? Are you done?" And I was like, "No." Like I was being stubborn. You had I was a like, piece, "No." Yeah. yeah, I was like, "No." She's like, <laughs> "Are you done?" I was like, "No." So she wouldn't get off of me. So I had to dig my nails really deep from the top of her forehead all the way down to the bottom of her neck. I wanted to make sure that when she got off me, she'd remember me for the rest of her life, you know? And that's what happened. She got up, she was bleeding all on her face, Mm. and I got kicked in my eye, on on my face. Uh And I don't know how, but I ended up in the hospital. So I was in the emergency room. Prior to us fighting, I called my mother and I told my mother. I know my mom had called the cops and everything and so they did the cat scan mris and all that good stuff and they told me i had brain damage but i felt fine like i still feel fine now and i know that i have brain damage yeah i'm just like i feel fine you know yeah so um good yeah so i kind of (laughs) hid away from everybody after that for a good couple of years and um i stopped being friends with those people like i really hated them like I had a vendetta I wrote down a list Of 15 people And I was like I'm gonna get all these people back Yeah Even the guy that had the gun I was like I'm gonna get him back You know And it was just really toxic Cause I'm Here I am trying to take care of My daughter You know A newborn baby At the time And I'm just like I wanna kill these people and it didn't help me that I was listening to rap music. Damn. Because <laughs> that's Damn. when the, the yeah. 50 Cent, um, what is it, the Massacre CD came out. Right. <laughs> and he's just, like, talking about killing people, killing people. And then
1: there was Kill Bill that came through, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, um, oh, my
2: God. And then Halo. Yeah. You know, I was playing Halo every day. I was like, these motherfuckers. Yeah. But it got to a point where I was like, you know, this is too much. Like, this is, like, really toxic. Like, I was becoming sick. I was going to the doctor. They didn't know why I was becoming sick. And it was because of my anger. You know, it's like an acid, basically, that eats you alive. And I'm like, I can't live like this. Like, I just packed my stuff and I left because I knew that if I stayed, I was going to go after them. And, you know, that's how I was feeling. I was like, I'm going to kill somebody or I'm going to do something stupid. And I have a daughter now, you know, I have to change my life, you know. So I ended up moving... I moved to Indiana for a while, and I started college. And at the time, my mindset—I was really in the street, you know. Mm. So I was like, "I'm never gonna go to college. That's for nerds." So the way I grew up in my neighborhood, it was like, if if you're smart, it would—they would look down on it. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. you're a nerd the or whatever. street is lost. Yeah. 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 They're like, oh, no, oh, you, you know? Yeah. So, um. I don't know, I just tried college. I was like, let me try it. I can't find the job. So let's see what this is about. And then when I first started off college, I wanted to be an engineer, right? Because my stepfather was an engineer and he made a lot of money. He was really successful. So I was like, maybe I should be an engineer too. And I don't know how the heck um, I went to chemistry. So I looked up like in the career center, like he said, highest paying jobs (laughs) and then i took a test and the the thing that they said i could be was a forensics you know detective so that's the main thing that popped up and i moved from indiana back to florida but i decided to go to orlando like something inside me was just like go to orlando go to orlando go to orlando So I just packed all my shit. I was like, I'm going to Orlando. I left my ex and everything. I took my baby. I was like, I'm going to Orlando. Yeah. And I was kind of trying to get away from him as well. Because where I lived at, it was just bad. Like, his parents, the whole situation was bad. So I moved to Orlando. I was like, yeah, I'm in, you know, Disney World and stuff. (laughs) And I just remember walking past this new building. And it was the Orlando Magic the the new the stadium arena,
1: the, the arena, yeah, yeah they
2: made a brand new arena mm-hmm. it was a new building that they had and i looked at it and i was like wow i want to work here one day and i shit you not like a week later i was working for them sick and i was like killing myself going to work excuse me and then um i know i just got dizzy and i passed out and i was like what the fuck is wrong with me <laughs> At work. And then I found out that I was pregnant with my son. Uh,
1: what? <laughs> so
2: it's like another setback.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: this is um yeah, when um after I found that out and he was born, um then I had to call his dad and like, Come down, I'm pregnant. Even though I was trying to escape from him, now I'm like stuck with him and my mom told me she's like, He's gonna try to get you pregnant, protect yourself uh-uh. and I was like, No, he's not. I'm gonna break up with him. <laughs> He's like, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <I'm> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, when he moved down, I transferred to the college, uh, Valencia College, and took some courses in the University of Central Florida because uh. that's where you would get your forensics degree. All right. So the minor would be chemistry. And then I just I got really into it because, like I said, because of Eric Thomas, mm. motivational speaker. And he said one thing um, that stuck with me. It was like a story about a guru and a man that wanted to be successful. I don't know if you've heard the story. 100%. I do. So he told the guy, if you want to be successful, meet me tomorrow morning, 4 a.m. at the beach. Yeah. Right? So the guy goes to the beach, and he walks into the water with the guru. And then the guru puts his head in the water, basically like drowning him. And then the guy gets up, and he's like, what the heck are you doing? And he's like, you know, when you want to be successful as bad as you want to breathe you know then like, you'll you know, be successful yeah then you'll be successful so that's kind of like what happened to me at that time it was like an epiphany for me and then i don't know why i think it was because of one of my uncles you know and then um my mom had a friend named michelle so michelle married a ranger the Guy, he was a, a ranger in the united states army all right so he talked to me about Valencia College, which is the main reason why I ended up going to Valencia College. So the campus that I went to was a police academy, you know, the East Campus. And that's that's how I started transitioning to what I wanted to do. So mm-hmm. I became interested. Even though I was from the street and, you know, it's like to be a cop is like a no. Like, no, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you're, you know, you're a snitch. are like, why would you do that? Like, they kill blacks and and Latinos why would you be a cop like no it's frowned upon and uh I liked the education I was getting I was getting a higher education um I had to be in the library like an hour two hours you know studying and it was just different for me and I was like you know I want I want better now that I have children I want something more
1: I was just going to ask, you, you know, know, why why are you going against the grain of what what you grew up in? And, and I think that's it right there. Yeah, right? I yeah. want
2: something more. And, you know, I've seen a lot of my friends that were younger than me, you know, go to jail. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them can't even get jobs because of their their criminal record. Like, I I have a juvenile record, too, you know, but it's not as bad as those guys. Like, they're pretty much screwed, you know. And I just wanted to be an example, also for my kids, you know. Yeah. So, they, to them I'm like God. Sure. From what they know of me.
1: Everything's the Bible to from them. Yeah. Uh, for, to you from them. Yeah. Or, so what what
2: they know of me is I'm a hard worker. Yeah. That's all they see. Cool. Yeah. That's all they know. Mommy's in her uniform. Mommy goes to school. Mommy feeds us, you know, she sacrifices everything for us. That's all they know. Yeah. So you can't tell them anything cuz my kids will look at you like you're crazy like what are you talking about? That's not right. my mom. Right,
1: right. You
2: know? So I want them to have that image of me and to remember me for being that, you know? And then um from Orlando I came over here because it's that same thing. Something kept telling me, you know, move to California, move to California. And my sister was in the Marines. But at the time I was trying to get in with the National Guard and the Army. Okay. Which is crazy. I'm like, why would I if I'm trying to get in the army, why am I going to the and my sister was like, Don't ever join the Marines. <laughs> no, don't join the Marines. And I was like, No, I'm not gonna join the Marines. That's that's the last one I would look at. And lo and behold, here I am training with the Marine Corps. <laughs> why, I don't know. <laughs> so it's kinda like they chose me. Yeah. And um uh, Yeah, and in jiu-jitsu, like you said, we train with a lot of Marines and, you know, some of the guys in the Navy, but mostly Marines. So I came out here to help my sister, and she has a a daughter, you know, my niece, and and I have my two kids, so we were helping each other out. And then she married a soldier and moved out to New York City, but she'll be coming back because it's not working out between
1: them. Oh, all right. Yeah, so... <laughs> we'll leave that on the table. Yeah. <laughs>
2: and then uh, I decided to go back to college because I took a break for the two years that I was living here in California. All right. You know, and it's like Alistair said, don't put all your eggs in one
1: basket. You know, <clears throat> I want to kind of backtrack on something that mm-hmm. you said too. Like uh, all, all of my kids know about me is that I'm working hard. Right. You're pursuing to provide. You know, right. that's, that's what I'm getting from you. Um, my... <clears throat> The question was going to be like uh, aside from aside from showing your kids that you're a hard worker and, and really just trying to like make it happen um, what what value do you want them to take from that
2: that I want them to do the right thing, you know even if you've messed up in the past, mm. you can still turn around and do the right thing you know
1: right I, you've had such a turnaround too yeah. I mean when you talk about um, being frowned upon if you were to you know go to college get educated um, the people that you were around the environment that you were in mm-hmm. would judge you for that but yet right. you went against the grain and, and looked past the judgment because right. you had a bigger purpose and it was to provide for your family right. yeah I admire that that's, that's respectable Thank you. Um, I think a lot of people would agree with that too mm-hmm. um, and You've been from one place to the next, and yeah. here you are on the West Coast, East Coast Jumping. girl, you know, <laughs> in Southern California.
2: I just follow my, <clears throat> my gut, whatever my gut tells me Good. to do. Go, go to California, go to California, and here
1: I am. Yeah. You know what, though? Um, and that's something that, I, that I'm just now learning, you know, and I'm well in my 30s. Mm. And um, going with my gut was not something that I did for decades. Mm. It was always with, you know, going with the structure, going with what's right, um, you know, in the in the eyes of the previous generation or general make society, make yourself happy. Uh, and and I didn't have that. It was it was more like I, I would make myself happy if I got the job, if I got the education, um, and did the you know, it was be a doctor, a lawyer, or a failure. The, the, the culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> what did I say about yeah. Asians? <laughs> right, doctor, right. Lawyer, I mean, I, and I even went to school to for me. like telecommunications management. Oh, wow. I could dweeb out on that shit all day. I can. But it's not, I'm not passionate about it, and I would be completely lying to myself if I didn't stay true to my gut. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just learning that now. So now it's a matter of fighting against time. Right. Like now that I've figured that out, it's time to work, you know? Right. Um, so, but I commend you for, for dropping things on the fly from one state to the next. Um, sure. You had to leave certain things in order for you to get to a position that you're in now. Right. And there's still complexities and challenges that you're enduring.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not the same.
2: For sure, even now I'm moving out of Oceanside. I'm dropping everything today. I've transferred my schools to go to Anaheim to train with Also. Okay they told me if you're committed to the Marine Corps, you're gonna move to Orange County. Okay. I was like, okay, all right. And then from and- there they'll send me wherever they want. but they can you know they can still say no. so like I said, I'm continuing college and continue with jiu Jitsu.
1: Yeah. Keep you balanced, yeah. keep you grounded. That's cool Yeah. Thanks.
2: You're welcome. Oh, I've also gotten into Buddhism.
1: Oh, yeah? That's Yeah. Oh, word.
2: That's one thing that you introduced me to, with Dima.
0: Tell me about that, Alistair. So, I really had no idea what Buddhism was at first. Mm. The only reason why I found out was one of the things that our dojo, where we train jiu-jitsu, does is provide a yoga class three times a week. And the yoga instructor, his name is Dima... He was the one who told me about Buddhism, and it's actually a funny story, cause one one of the things I, I think it's cause I'm Filipino. I like to dance, right? And um, and it's funny, cause I'll dance anywhere if there's music, right? Yeah. yeah. And then D, D, Dima calls it horsing around, and I'm like, yeah, I just like to horse around. I don't I don't care what people think of me. Like when I'm when I'm at the gym but in my rest sets I like, I'll like i dance you know <laughs> and it's like one of those things Gary Vee says is who, who cares what other people think about you you know just do what you what, what you, you enjoy yeah. you know and I was telling Dima it reminds like yeah the reason why I do this is like haters gonna hate and I, I showed him this little picture this little comic it's a, a gif an animated picture of this like fat kid you know skipping along the the sidewalk and he has a little thought bubble that says haters gonna hate yeah (laughs) and Dima thought that was funny and he's like you know what that's very buddhist and I'm like what are you talking about and he takes out this book and it's it's a thin book it's uh probably like 50 pages and really big text and it and it's not even it's like the size of your iphone basically that's how big the book was and in the front of it it said Dhammapada and I was like, "What's that?" And he says, "Well, it's it's kind of like a, a summary of Buddha's teachings, all in like this little tiny book." And they call it the Dhammapada, and the Dhammapada is made up of like several chapters, but because it's so small, each chapter is like a couple pages long. And one of the chapters is chapter fifteen, <coughs> and it's called happiness.
2: That's the Dhammapada.
0: Yeah, in the chapter fifteen, of Dhammapada is happiness, and then there's some verses, but. The key verse is, um, "While others live in hatred, um, you live free from it." And that's basically how I was introduced to Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I wouldn't say I, I practice it because I, I haven't really done much research outside of that Dhammapada. Uh-huh. But I, I do like to live in some of the principles that it talks about, it, including how like, you know, let others hate, but live free from it. You know, why is that philosophy important to you? Um, I think it just like you i like I like to help other people, you know, and when you when you judge or hate on others, it doesn't really provide anybody any sort of value hmm. you know that's why i I feel like it's destructive instead of constructive you know if you're if you're gonna say something, it should be you know to help others, it should be construct constructive criticism, so to me. And I guess it also has a lot to do with well, you know, Gary Vee teaches, you know, don't judge, you know. Um, and another thing, one of, actually an uncle of mine who is really into martial arts told me back when I was a kid, and I still remember to this day, you know, life is too short for negative energy. So anytime you have negative energy, try to make it into something positive. So, I mean, that, that's, that's how I felt ever since... Yeah, I was a little kid, so... I feel so strongly about the same idea that, like... Because negative shit happens all the
1: time. Right. Um, and our awareness of it is super important. But it's one thing to acknowledge it and then move and move past it as opposed to acknowledging it and then, like, dwelling in it, right? Yeah. And that negative energy... I mean, just, just listening to Sessie's uh, story, she was surrounded by negativity. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Um whether it was happening to her or she created it for herself, mm-hmm. she was aware of it, and after acknowledging it, albeit it took a, a, a while, but the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is she created something positive from it, mm-hmm. um, despite shit getting thrown at her. And I think it's super important for people to understand that like, the more we dwell on anything, whether that's pursuing something that we really, really want, then you're likely going to head in that direction. But it also plays the same role when you're focused on negative stuff. Right. When something bad happens to you and you dwell on it, you can take a day. Go ahead. I, I think that it's human to know that you've got that emotion in you yep. to like feel sad, exactly. pissed, whatever it is. <clears throat> but then to stay in that mode, it's your fault. Yeah. It's yeah. your responsibility to get the hell out of that. And, yeah. and I think that what it boils down to is translating that negative energy into something that you can turn into productivity whether for yourself mm-hmm. or share your story like we're doing here mm-hmm. sharing your story of negativity um to create something positive for other people you know yeah um so that's dope man I, i'm thank you i, I yeah. like that that's what that's where your your, your space is right now mm-hmm. i think if we continue to do that then um the responsibility that's on our shoulders is a little bit less weighted yeah you know what i'm saying yeah, Buddhism yeah.
2: definitely changed my life that's one of them because like I was always searching for something that I didn't have. Like, maybe, like, for love or something. I think that's one of the reasons I have... I don't think. I know that's one of the reasons I have right. kids, you know. I was like, maybe if I have kids, I can have someone that can love me enough, you know, mm. that I won't need to look for it. But after I had kids, they love me, and I'm still like, what the... F-? You know, I was still looking for that. There's still But then missing. when I read the, the book, The Dhammapada, it said, you know... If you believe that salvation is in the sky and you look to the heavens then you know or believe that you know it's up there then the birds would be basically Jesus too right so if you believe that it's in the sea the fish would be Jesus right something around that context and um if you believe in yourself that you are love basically like what i was looking for was inside of me because i had to think about it i was like holy shit i was like i'm a good person and people take advantage of me and i give all this love and i forgive people for things that they do to me i'm i am love i already have it why am i looking for it that's powerful and at that moment just reading those three sentences that was it
1: change your world huh? change
2: my world Completely yeah. And I started going to SGI In San Marcos And uh, SGI works with Deer Park Sangha Which Dima goes to And uh, I just go and I chant Whenever I feel like I'm being overwhelmed I chant and I feel better Just chant until I feel better That's all it is It's it's more of a modern day Buddhism like We don't yeah. go to a monastery and all that stuff We just uh-huh. go, chant And then we talk about our feelings We get in a group, we have snacks You know We meet up on Sundays and, you know, just fellowship. Yeah. So, I like that. It's cool. And it it changed my life.
1: We we talked about earlier, like, being truthful to your gut. Mm -hmm. You know, um, my friend Nick, who was also on a previous episode of my show, Mm -hmm. um, he studied to become uh, a a Buddhist monk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he went out to Thailand to do it and everything, and um, it was crazy, just the story that I... Um, <clears throat> that I relate to him for though is that I knew him as a dancer and then I knew mm. him as a real estate agent and then like the, the, like the next time that I got an update there was a freaking YouTube documentary of him going to Thailand you know to become this Buddhist monk like oh, wow. no hair no eyebrows nothing like it was just just like clean slate mm-hmm. um, but his but what he taught me and this is the biggest lesson that I learned this year is just to tell yourself the truth about where mm-hmm. you are
2: mm-hmm.
1: how you feel um, and I think that if you over complicate what your thoughts are trying to create this like fluffed up story about how you feel Yep, you're bullshitting yourself i was
2: in denial i you was in complete in denial. denial
1: right <clears throat> and i think that now you're surrounded by a community in in the buddhist world modern mm-hmm. modern buddhist world where they tell themselves the truth and like it's all within you right everything that you feel yeah. everything that's happening around you again it boils we're, down to our responsibility yes right good Thank goodness I'm there too <laughs> Yeah,
2: because even as a child I would get mad at my mom or my dad It would be like, yeah. it's you, it's your fault And then I would say, hmm, let me think about the situation yeah. I'm the one that caused this <laughs> So it wasn't you Isn't that something? Yeah, just tell yourself the <clears> truth
1: <throat> um, let, Going back to the TBI um, you, And yours was much younger uh, And yours is, I guess, somewhat re- more recent, right? hmm um, I know that you've shared about, like, the frustration of yourself and the depressive state that you had to endure. Mm-hmm. Um, do you mind diving into that a little bit? What What are you, you know.
0: or what were you experiencing? So, one of the things people told me, and again, this is something that's pretty common with people who have suffered traumatic brain injuries, but I had, my temper was, like, really short at the time. Like, I, it was funny, because I, I didn't really, I felt like, it felt like everything I had, I had worked for, because, again, I, I, I'm going back to how I was in a physical activity and physical fitness, you know. They didn't let me lift anything more than five pounds for a couple months. And, like, you have to understand, for me, missing a day at the gym, like, before my brain injury, it, that already sucked that, that 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 already felt like crap you know yeah so for the fact that i couldn't carry anything for more than five pounds that that really that really got to me so i don't know if my short temper was because i was so depressed about the state i was in or just because of the natural effects of the traumatic brain injury but it probably was a combination of both you know there's 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 other things also that that i was experiencing was like memory loss but the funny thing is, just like how she said, and this is a common theme with other patients, because again, I was part of, luckily I was part of a rehab program with other other tra- uh, survivors okay. and people rehabilitating after their brain injury. But a lot, a lot of us, we don't realize anything has changed after our traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Like one of the patients I met there, he he was like the Gary V archetype, you know, always you know <laughs> working hard, a go-getter. But when we had our little, you know, mindfulness sessions where we talked about our own specific brain injuries, you know, he says, like, he, like, they say he, like, because right now he doesn't do anything. He He's the complete opposite of that go-getter mentality. And he told the group, he's like, I don't really feel any different. You know, something that, so that was a very drastic change.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, at first, I, like, yeah, they, they, they asked me, oh, do you have any memory problems? Because they're, they're trying to, they wanted to give me a a, a lift it's 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 not the lift like the uber or the lift but it's (laughs) the ones for the the disabled you know and in order for me to get one of those they needed to see like what kind of symptoms i'm suffering but again i think i was i was in denial but or i just didn't feel it but i was like no i don't have any memory problems despite the fact that they did benchmarks beforehand to test like my memory problem is it's really hard to compare those to before you had the brain injury because they never had you know, any tests done on you before the brain injury. Right. So to me, I thought I was normal and everything, but they're all like, no, compared to the average, you know, this is specifically like worse than the average or whatever. So it was hard for me to tell, but the fact that like I couldn't lift five pounds, the fact that they're telling me I'm having these memory problems, the fact that I had trouble like walking, like I needed like, as I said, physical therapy, you know, on top of occupational therapy and speech therapy. So, and also the fact that I couldn't go back to work too, even though I felt like I could, you know. Mm. But it it was like really depressing because I, I, I thought like there's no there's no coming back at least initially. Yeah. And but the thing is, even before my brain injury though, I I was a type that did not like to to give up, you know. So. Mm. As you said, it's it's human
2: You're to like me. yeah. It's it's human to feel
0: those sad moments, you know, like when something, when something traumatic happens, especially like a traumatic brain injury. You know, you can, you can don't don't feel too bad about beating yourself up for just a little bit, you know.
2: Yeah. And
0: yeah. I, that's that's the approach I took, you know, like I, yeah, it sucked, but um, I kept fighting. You know, that, that's what, that, that's a great thing also about, um, even though I was away from the gym, you know, I, I knew that I can work my way back up because it's all in the mind, you know. And if I were to just give up right there, yeah, that, that would be the end of it. I would go in a downward spiral and I wouldn't get out of it, you know. But one of the things I learned with my, my time at the gym is that, you know, if... It's all about consistency in your mental attitude. You know, if Mm -hmm. you can, if you can, if you can push through whatever obstacle. In fact, one of the books we read, and I I believe that the the Patriots were given this book by Bill Belichick. All right. Um, This was part of a. Sorry, Gary, if you're listening. (laughs) 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 But the. It was it was completely optional to be a part of the part of the book club in my, my rehabilitation program. All right. But again, as I said, I wanted to do everything in my ability to, to get out of this slump that I was in, and it was a good choice because the, one of the books of this book club that we were supposed to read was called "The Obstacle Is the Way." That the same book I was just talking about, and essentially it says like, if if there's an obstacle, you know, don't let that hinder you make that an opportunity to better yourself, you know. And he lists a bunch of examples and one of the, one of the takeaways that that really stood out to me was, for example, a lot of these Fortune 500 companies, they were started in like when when the economy was bad mm-hmm. during economic turmoil, and one of those examples was Apple. You know, around around the time Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak created Apple, I believe they were in a recession. And he was saying, Do you think Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak were so worried about the recession? No, they took what they believed, they took their strengths, focused on it, and basically started Apple out of their parents' garage, you know? So that added to my motivation. Like, I've already had that positive mental attitude, but the fact that reading this book, especially with other survivors, helped me, you know, push myself out of this depressive state. And in fact, as I said, it kind of brings me back to the question you had asked me earlier. Did my traumatic brain injury, you know, was it was it a catalyst for what I feel now in terms of my pursuits? And it actually has because one of the, one of the things that I was watching was that ice faceting guy oh, yeah. during my traumatic yeah. brain injury, and I think that's yeah. So it really was a catalyst for yeah you know, pursuing what I'm pursuing right now. Is it the 29th? I yep. don't even know. It is the 29th.
2: Look what I wrote yesterday. Read it. Today I am grateful for, but training and running, Alistair's health, and Thank good you. friends. I wrote that yesterday.
1: Oh, that's cool. <laughs> it is the 29th? Yeah, Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> 29th. 29th. I know, this yeah. month went by fast.
2: <laughs> I just remember getting drunk on 4th of July and here I am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, alright you know
1: I think we're at, we're at a spot for two reasons one we covered a lot mm. um, I didn't know that we were just going to jump right into it I, I, <laughs> I just hit record and I was like let's see where this takes us Yeah. yeah. Um, I love where this went um, before we wrap it up and to be truthful I'm very low on battery on my laptop so yeah. <laughs> that's, part of, that's part of the reason why I, I, I've got to cut it off because there's so, so much cool stuff that we went over here um, Got any final thoughts that our audience can really take away from um, if there's anything like I don't know. I'm going to leave it up to you, um, each of you, if you can share.
0: Okay. Um, So I think the Instagram post that you saw me write where you found out about my traumatic brain injury, I posted about how I was just coming off another injury, and it got me really depressed. And before that, I was writing a bunch of motivational things on Instagram, like, oh yeah. Cause I've had, again, this is just another injury from a laundry list of injuries I had suffered since signing up. And even though I had those previous injuries, I'd show myself in like my knee brace. I'm like, yeah, I'm still at the gym. I'm still grinding, you know. My traumatic brain injury taught me that if I can get over that, I can get over anything. You know, all these little minor things are minuscule. But the fact that I had injured myself consecutively, and this last one, you know, being very recent, um, it still put me in that bad place, you know, where I was feeling depressed again. And it was a minor injury, it was just like an ankle sprain, but I, I felt really sad, you know, and it lasted like about a week, you know, and it made me stop doing my, it made me stop going to the dojo, made me stop working out consistently. But one of the things I wrote in that Instagram post you read was it can always be worse. You know. Yep, I and always tell you that. It can it always can be worse. Be worse. Right? And that that's why and as I said, I talked to Ceci. she helps me get out of these, you know, depressive states because look at all the stuff she's been through, you know? Like I don't. In fact, maybe what she's going through is worse than whatever I'm going through. I think it is worse. Like I'm, I'm complaining about an ankle injury, you know? Yeah, again, you know, I'm I still it. alive. It's relative, man. Yeah, it really is. Exactly. Yeah. So again, if if there's a final message I'd like to tell people, yeah, don't don't be too upset at where you're at because it could always be worse. Be happy be worse. that it's not as bad as it potentially can be. You know? Right. right. And also,
2: I want to say, um, you know, don't don't give up. Um, If it's something you want to do, do it. Um, Whatever makes you happy, don't listen to like, you know, society. Society will tell us like, my mom wanted me to be like a lawyer or a doctor. And I'm just like, that doesn't make me happy. Mm. My aunt is a fucking registered nurse about to be a doctor. And she's fucking depressed. She's not married. (laughs) She doesn't have kids. Like, no, I'm fucking successful. I've lived my life. I've traveled. I've done, you know, um, dancing with the church. They paid for me to go to Six Flags. Opportunities I would have never had had I not taken these risks and, you know, followed my heart and followed my gut. So that's all I want to say to people. You know, (laughs) don't give up. Don't take no for an answer. That's my attitude. Don't take no for an answer.
1: You know? I'm feeling that. Yeah. I'm feeling that.
2: And you don't need money for everything. Don't don't let money hold yeah. you back. You know, that's the
1: thing, too. Like, I mean, I realize... I'm not going to knock money because I realize that it opens things up for us. It gives oh, us a, for you know, sure, for it, sure. It, it frees us up a little bit and, and gives us, you know, options and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But...
2: Have a plan, I that's think,
1: all. I think, yeah, man. Like, mm-hmm. what... It, okay, so, like, what it really boils down to, to me is... I'm spending more time with my kids right now. I was uh, working a lot. and I still work a lot. It's just, um, you know, like I was commuting and I was always bitching and whining about, like, my commute because it was an hour and 10, hour and 30 on some days, just wow. one way.
2: I tried four hours.
1: Right. See, you know what I'm saying? You know what's crazy? My dad it, busted his ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny. When I was growing up in L.A., um, he would drive, and, and see, I didn't know, it, like, where he was, but he would drive to, like, Oxnard, You know, like from North Hollywood And, um See, and I say that now with an understanding of what that distance was But he did it daily, right? Mm -hmm. Seal Beach Um, Mm. I was I was driving on vacation With, um, my kids Like a handful of years ago Something We were were driving up the coast And then I realized Okay, so we pat so You know, we're living in Oceanside, I think, at the time or whatever So we're driving up the coast And, um I hit the LA area and then we're still driving up the coast and hours later we hit Oxnard and then I realize, oh my gosh, my dad was driving from there, from LA to Oxnard in LA traffic. First thing in the morning before the sun came up, he was driving that distance just to get to work and he would bring his ass right back home and I'm thinking to myself, what am I? What am I complaining for? <laughs> would be much worse. Like, what's, an uh. what's an hour and ten? What's an hour and thirty? You know what? And, and 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 I kept on doing it. And I kept on doing it for years and years and years. And then, um, you know, and I've shared this story multiple times. But then, like, what it boils down to is that I changed. You know, my uh, the place that I work to closer to home. So I went from an hour and fifteen to eleven minutes away from my house. Wow. The amount of time that I had gained back with my family and the things that I'm passionate about, like this show, mm-hmm. um like I'm really embracing my time now.
2: Right.
1: Um, and and using my time for experiences with like the people that I care about.
2: Right. right. That
1: money that I that I'm that I'm earning like that's one thing, but then the experiences that I'm gaining is there's no price. Right. There's no price, you know. Um,
2: this, is, this is a time to be home anyway. This is, kids. Yeah, yeah. This is a time. That's
1: right. All right guys, well thank you. I appreciate you guys' time with me. Like this is do- I hope that we can connect again actually. Yeah. I think <laughs> me too. I think that you guys have more to share and yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, having having multiple people on on one show there's a lot to, to be said. Yeah. Um but you guys have really shared some valuable information, thank you. Um, some cool feedback that that you guys have given me that I'm learning from you all. Um that's dope. Happy birthday. Thank you. Happy <laughs> yeah, birthday, birthday Alistair. In A few weeks it's coming up, man. Um, yeah. yeah. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Thanks so much. No, thank you. All right, so there you have it. Life before, during, and after a traumatic brain injury. Uh, very unique stories the two of them have very different directions and uh, origins that they actually come from Uh, but I think that it's really cool that they're able to be very transparent and honest about their experiences which is something that I strive for here on Setting Stages so hope you guys gain something valuable that you can apply to yourselves and your dilemmas and whatever it is that you're pursuing from this show and that conversation definitely was something for me to take from Uh, can't take those moments for granted and the fact that they were able to recover from this and persevere means that they now have a bigger purpose that they can serve and I think that's dope a big shout out and thank you once more to Ceci and Alistair for their time you can find Ceci Angelica uh, on Instagram that's c.angelanova that's c.angelanova on Instagram and you can find Alistair E one three H A X 0 R oh my gosh you gotta work on that handle bro that was E 1337 HAX0R, and I think that that reads Elite Haxor. <laughs> You can find them both on Instagram and you can find links to their shows through Instagram and uh, reach out to them if you want to talk to them about maybe an experience that you share similar to them. I think that would be dope that they hear from you. Um, And lastly, I want to thank you guys. Actually, I noticed that on Apple Podcasts that I have more ratings now. Um, I'm at a 5.0, which is freaking dope. I love the fact that you guys have been um, taking the time to actually give me some feedback in that regard. Do me a favor and continue that. Share this. You know, the easiest thing that you could do is take a screenshot that you're listening to this and post it on your Instagram. That would be really dope. Thank you guys again for your patience with me coming back with Setting Stages. Episode 14 is already recorded. I've got episode 15 in the works. It's going to be great. We're on a roll. And thank you guys once again for listening. I'll catch you guys real soon. Take good care. Stay inspired. Stay motivated. Stay driven and have yourselves a dope day. Let's go.